Welcome to Seeking Alpha CEO Interviews. Quality of leadership is a decisive factor in stock performance, so we provide in-depth interviews with the best and brightest CEOs in the public markets. We publish limited excerpts from our interviews on social media platforms and the full interviews at SeekingAlpha.com and in the highly rated Seeking Alpha mobile app. To find the full interviews, open SeekingAlpha.com or the Seeking Alpha mobile app and search for the phrase CEO interviews or simply type a stock ticker into the search box. All right, welcome back to Seeking Alpha. We've got our guest today, Mark Dixon, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of International Workplace Group, IWG. Mark, thanks for being with Seeking Alpha. Great to be here. Thanks very much, Josh. Absolutely. Um, normally, I'm going to ask about your background, how you ended up being the CEO of IWG. But first off, maybe uh, flex space isn't something that is on the tip of everyone's tongue, even though it's roughly two to 3% of the global office space and has a 15 to 30% compounded annual growth rate. What is flex office? Well, flex office is, look, you have to think about it like you would think about a truck fleet being outsourced, a car fleet being outsourced so you know companies years back when i started in business used to own their own trucks they used to own their own cars and they repaired them bought them and everyone that no one does that now everyone outsources to specialists who operate trucks for them they can do it at a lower price much more efficiently it's off the balance sheet it, it just works for companies and they focus on their core business which is not running a truck fleet <laughs> Um, so with offices, you know, historically, companies have gone out. It's a very complicated process, the real estate industry, whether that's in the United States or globally. You know, you've got to go out, you've got to find space, negotiate it, build it, operate it. And by the way, by the time you've done all that, it's not right for what you want anyway, because you want, you know, having run businesses for many, many years, it's, you've always got not enough space or too much space. So it's a very hard one to match, you know, your requirement, your company's requirements with what you have. So it's too long and it's too cumbersome uh, and it's too expensive. And it's sort of a distraction from everyday business. So in essence, we allow companies to uh, take space from us, but it's ready to go. So it's, it's, the, it's great offices, well-designed um, with all the furniture, with all the tech, with all the support staff. Um, with help desks, with IT help desks. And, you know, whether your people are all in one office or your people, you want one person in every state in the US, um, we supply that. You can sign up today. Um, you can move it tomorrow. It's all very flexible means, you know, if you say you want 100 people, you can have 100 people wherever you want and move them around the system. So it's lower cost, super flexible. It's outsourced. It's off the balance sheet important in IFRS 16 and I can't remember what the US equivalent is where now property is on the balance sheet and looks like debt um, so it has a lot of advantages um, and that's that's pre COVID-19 pandemic post COVID-19 pandemic flex space is about um, companies wanting to provide their people with space wherever they are rather than in central locations in cbds or otherwise so you start to get much more of a distributed workforce where it's um um you know an employee a worker 
increasingly will just get an allowance to take an office where they want, or they can work from home, just like they would use, and they would use an office like a hotel room when they need it. So um, it's a very exciting place, but Flex Office is essentially outsourced, an outsource office system that you can use whenever you want. Um, and, uh, you know, we operate uh, 3,400 buildings in um, 1,200 cities around the world um, and in, in 120 countries. So you can have this in Togo, West Africa, if you want, or, or in Seattle or wherever, wherever you happen to be. Mm-hmm. So IWG roughly had uh, $4.5 billion in revenue. <clears throat> Curious about your background, how you ended up becoming the CEO of IWG and, and amassing that kind of uh, revenue. Look, it's, it's, um, I founded the business in 1989 with, um, and, you know, I'd done, by then, I'd done six other businesses, which I'd founded and sold. And I started this one in um, Brussels in Belgium in 1989 with one center. And from that one center, first year, I did two, the second year, the second one. And basically for the first 10 years grew the business 100% every year. I financed personally the first eight years. So we had no debt, no, um, no, no private equity support. We had support through private equity in the uh, ninth and 10th years, raised 200 million. And then we IPO'd um, in the 11th year. And, you know, the, we've grown since then. It's been, you know, it, we've learned a lot along the way, but we've, every one of those centers has been uh, you know, sort of grown, um, you know, organically, mostly a bit of acquisition um, to create this network today. So you mentioned some advantages of, of Flex, like reducing costs. Uh, you talked a little bit about the pandemic, which I want to talk about um, in, in a moment, because there's been a huge shift about wanting to reduce a commute and work from home. Um, but the agility for fast growing companies to to kind of figure out their own space. Um, wonder if you can expand on that. And um, as well as the, um, you mentioned fixed leases not being on the balance sheet. Um, and other well, they, are, they are on the balance sheet now, Josh. Oh, they are. They are. So you know, if you're running a corporation, the if you have a 10 year lease conventional lease, it's on your balance sheet, and it looks like it's, it's debt. So all the 10 years of that lease are on your balance sheet as debts. It's an obligation. So it looks like, you know, debts. You can see it on ours, by the way. Um, so, you know, that's a major change for corporations. Uh, you know, they, they uh, in the beginning, it was all grandfathered in. It's a change in the accounting rules. It's not affecting covenants and headroom. But in the medium term, it will start to invest, you know, affect covenants and headrooms. So companies with a lot of this, um, you know, if you have a lot of space, you know, and it's fixed space, that that's going to affect your your, your credit rating um, or your ability to raise, raise raise capital. So, but coming back to flexibility, I mean, just I'll turn it to, if I may, to where we are today. What I'm seeing increasingly with companies and i would say this is large and small so to, no, today's startup and 
yesterday's fast-moving growth company, we have seen more and more companies move to um, a, a much more flexible hybrid work model. And what they're doing is very simple. I mean, just as a, as a, a sort of close-to-home example, um, the daughter of a very good friend of mine just got her first job in Atlanta, well-paid job. Um, and, um, but that job was a job with no office mm. and the, the, you know, and it's a very forward thinking, very successful company, um, in the tech space and, um, very fast growing, um, who have moved to a policy of office allowance or work from home. And so it didn't stop this young person if they, and in fact, she wanted to get an office um because or somewhere to work because you couldn't work at home um so you know modern companies are saying yeah hybrid we offer hybrid that allows you to work from home if your home's big enough your internet's good enough you can work locally just pick an office nearby where you live or you can come into one of our offices we have less of them but we still have hubs where people can get to um so companies are changing. These companies have moved very quickly over the last year to change the way they operate and, and to obtain the benefits from this you know, new acceptability of working in a hybrid way. So um, you know, if they'd have done it 18 months ago, two years ago, they would have been unusual. Now they're able to lower costs. You can take 50% of your costs minimum. Um, you know, and we've seen companies take 70% out of their costs. You can hire people anywhere in the country that you want because you don't have to hire people near where your offices are anymore. You hire them anywhere. Um, and so you can hire better people, sometimes at better prices. And, you know, your ESG, your environmental footprint, uh, carbon footprint will be slashed by at least half because you're not one, you have less fixed office space, and two, you are stopping all your some of your workforce commuting, and you know, and overall, so it's cheaper and it's what people want, and it, you know, it's popular, and so we're seeing more and more companies do that. Now, that's you know, sort of small company startups. You know, if I were starting a company tomorrow, and I've started up many in the past, that's what I do, um, and it's the way we operate today as a company, even though we're in the office business. Um, so, and we've also seen very large companies like NTT, 300,000 people, Standard Chartered Bank, 95,000 people who have, have, moved, have, have come to us and signed a contract for those numbers of people who start to move to a hybrid model. And, you know, over the past eight weeks or so, we've signed up more than a million um, new members who, who, and these are from large companies, this is not including all the small ones, who, who want to move in this way. So you have, to, so the world is moving. It's a, it's a digital disruption. Don't, it's nothing to do with real estate. This is to do with, you know, basically technology allowing people and companies to work in a different way. And the pandemic was a big catalyst that accelerated something that was happening anyway, but just brought it, you know, to, everyone's kitchen table quite literally um and um it, you know it, it is it is it is really changing at pace 
So it will change the geography of the United States, of any, most countries. It's not the same in every country, but it, it, it redraws the lines. It changes geography. It's a really big change. It's not something small. You mentioned earlier, there's a debate, by the way, which I just feel I should correct, that very, very quickly, uh, commentators and people, journalists writing, they start to write about work from home or work from the office. It's not one or the other. Those people that can work from home and want to and can be productive, no problem for them doing it. Those that need to go to an office, and I'm one of those people, Josh, I'm not very good at working from home, so I get distracted. Um, you know, I'll go to a, but I'm not going to commute very far to an office. Uh, you know, my office is, you know, 60 meters, 60 yards away from where I live. Um, and, you know, that, that is what it's about. And then it's about getting people together to collaborate, you know, in a more regular and more curated, more organized fashion rather than have everyone come into one building every day and they sit at a desk and do what they're doing, you get people in once a week and, and you, you collaborate, you, you, you do things together and do jobs where you need to work as a team. You can do this ad hoc, you can do this on one day, you can do this once a month. It, it's, that's how it's going to operate. Everything will be run by Microsoft, basically, or Google, because they will give you the productivity tools, they will give you the data, and you will have a different company as a result that is more productive, um, that has lower costs, lower footprint, and you'll, you'll have people that are happier. To sort of, one statistic I'll leave with you and I'll come back to you is this, 74% of respondents in a survey when asked, if your company forced you to come back to work five days a week in the office, would you stay with that company? 74% 74% said they look for another job, which is obvious. I mean, commuting is unnecessary. That's what people, for most, not for everyone. So back to you, Josh. Yeah, definitely seeing a lot more of that uh, in the news right now about people not wanting to go back full time. And so is the productivity tools that you mentioned, Zoom and, and uh, Teams and, and other Microsoft products or, or um other productivity tools, is that driving the growth? Because you had said that the pandemic has proven the ability of global workforces to work effectively in different ways and in different places. Yeah. So it, what's what's driving the growth? Yeah, look, to me, um, Microsoft Teams and Zoom are, are like the old original email from Microsoft. It's almost like Yahoo email, if you remember that, or AOL email so this is just the beginnings of a technology sec you know segmental revolution mm -hmm. that will provide full visibility to companies of what their people are doing where they're doing it and how productive they are so you know the the you know all it's just using the data that's already there and um then then the, these tools will advance. I mean, if you look at, we're, we're on Teams a lot of the time and Zoom, um, you know, the, the, the improvements in Teams and Zoom, you know, compared to a year ago, they're completely different and much better. Mm. Okay, in a year's time, they'll be, again, you know, completely different and much better. And, um, you know, this way of working, which remember people adopted within a matter of weeks, and, and, you know, 
and again, we, a survey surveys done, companies did not report a drop in productivity. In fact, the opposite, they had to stop people working because people tended to do yeah. too many hours. So, you know, but the technology will change. So modern companies, there'll be haves and have nots in, in this area. You'll have companies that will sort of, I, I've explained it to our team, that they'll sort of say, like the old company, a lot of companies said, we're not going to adopt email, we're going to keep with fax, post and telex. Um, you know, that email, you know, it's, it's a bit new, we're not sure if it's secure, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't adopt it. But those companies, most of those aren't here anymore. You know, email was such an effective method of, 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 of communication, the companies that didn't adopt it would, would not be competitive against companies in the same sector that did. And this is the same with the te this technology. So companies that adopt this new way of working, this new technology, this much more focused, um, companies with a much more of a focus on the workforce and their productivity using data and technology, those are the companies that will be on balance more successful than the ones that say, no, we're going to have everyone sitting in an office and hope they talk to each other. Um, which, you know, I've been running business for 45 years. And, you know, yeah, of course, conversations take place and all this. But I, I can tell you that there, there is nothing like collaborative meetings, well organized, with a great agenda to get people talking. They really don't talk that much when they're all sitting in an office. And, um, you know, these, these conversations around the coffee machine are generally not about business, they're about everything else. So, um, you know, to me, it's, it's obvious and it's happening. I want to dive into some of the impacts from COVID-19. Um, first thing I want to jump into is some restructuring that you guys are doing. Uh, so uh, Regis and some other entities that you have, they filed uh, a few different uh, restructurings and bankruptcies. And just for our investors, kind of wanted to have you highlight some of the uh, reasonings behind that, maybe some financial highlights from last quarter and uh, outlook ahead. Look, it, it's um, in our business, it, it's really important to that the risk is managed. So we run with a with a matched book. That means we all liabilities are closed end liabilities. There's no open end liabilities. Um, some of our competitors have much more open-ended liabilities and it hurts them in times like this, times of stress. Um, so we have restructured or closed about 200 of our centres. So this is about um, 7%, six, about 6% of, 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 of our units. These were marginal units where we couldn't get uh, some kind of resolution with our landlord partner. We've, we've basically shuttered them and opened centers nearby. So if you look, um, you know, yes, we use the bankruptcy code for this. And, and you know, it's a common thing in our industry to do that. Um, so these are limited bankruptcies and closures. Um, and, you know, we have to change the inventory. So uh, we've closed We've opened as many as we've closed. If you look at the first quarter of this year, we had a slight growth rate um, 
of about 1% in the first quarter. So that's net of all closures. So, it, you know, it's a necessary evil, Josh, in, in our industry, if you're going to run a matchbook, which we do. So, and we've taken charges. We took um, uh, about in dollars, about $350 million of charges um, for all closures, all restructurings. And, and as a result of that, we've taken around $300 million of costs, annual costs out of the business. Okay, so, you know, we have a reshaped business. It's what you have to do. This is a very stressful time um, in any business and, um, and, and, and in particular in ours in some parts of the world. So, you know, we have to, at this time, you have to trim off any non-performing operations. So, um, you know, that's that. If we look at performance, um, we, 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 we had a performance last year that was, it declined, but the, business, the underlying business was very resilient. So we came from our first quarter 2020. That was our best first quarter in our 30-year history. Um, you know, and that was as a result, Josh, of more companies moving to hybrid and flex working. Um, so, you know, COVID then obviously has slowed that down because companies, you know, basically did not use, op started to use less and less offices. So we lost customers and won customers during the year, occupancy reduced, but was resilient. So we, we lost about, about five points of occupancy in the following year. Our services were affected, you know, people aren't in the offices, we sell less cups of coffee, and you know basic services affected and so on so um it, a down year in in the rest of the year and into the first quarter of this year from <coughs> excuse me from uh, march onwards we we flattened out in march and then in april and may we've seen occupancy increases so the sort of nadir is sort of towards the end of march beginning of april and that we're increasing occupancy price and service revenues. We adjusted outlook just this week, in fact, or last, yeah, in the past, in the past week. And this was simply because of the speed of recovery, where we expected a faster speed. We, we're still going to have a recovery. We're seeing that, but the speed of recovery would be slightly slower. So we lowered estimates to, you know, to allow us to. Uh, uh, you know, to not to make sure the market's in line with what we expect. So, you know, we, we, we've got a huge number of customers joining up and starting to use, and we've got a growing business, thankfully. Um, but it's just the speed, you know, if the, all restrictions were lifted tomorrow, we'd be growing a lot faster. But it's, it's going to be stop-start, we think, through the summer. How does that translate into profit margins for the last year? And what are going to be some of the key drivers for your profit margins in the next few years? Look, for us, ours is a simple business. It's, you know, we, we it's one based around, you know, obviously revenues and costs. And, but the revenues are made up of um, uh, basically uh, you've got occupancy and price and services. And, you know, we pride ourselves on having a very healthy service percentage revenue. It's the highest in the industry. You know, it's four times higher than any of our competitors because we have a whole range of services we supply to our customers. 
far wider, um, which helps our margin. Um, and, and then it's occupancy and price. In terms of costs, as I mentioned earlier, we've, we've taken out about $300 million of annual costs. So, you know, going forward, the hurdle, if you like, is a, is a lower hurdle as we go through this year and into 22. Um, so, you know, the good news is we've moved into, you know, growing EBITDA and growing cash flow and um, costs very much under control. And we've said to investors that we our growth rate in terms of the network size this year will grow um, in, in notwithstanding a few more closures will grow and we're expecting to have a growth rate in the five to 10% range, which is not bad in a, in a, in a year as badly affected as this one is. Um, and, 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 and pretty much all of those are all partnership deals like management contracts and so on with building owners. So they're low risk, low capital. One of the things we're also doing because over the years, you know, we've been producing six or $700 million a year in cash, but we've been reinvesting it. I mean, if you go back to the beginning, as I described, I opened one center, I reinvested the cash, did two, and then did four and, you know, compounded up, creating the capital to do it. Um, and, um, you know, that's what we do. But now we've changed that model where we're moving much more to asset light. So we produce in capital and we can dividend more of the capital. Um, uh, the, the, the more of the cash flow that we make because we don't we can grow quickly without investing as much as we did in the past. More property owners and investors understand the potential of flex work as a building owner, as an investor, and are wanting to put their buildings on our platform. When looking at other other platforms like WeWork, they went from a forty-seven billion dollar valuation to less than four point seven billion. Is that does that scare some investors away from looking at uh, IWG or how, I guess how else when, when someone wants to look at your brand over the competitors, why would they choose yours? Um, we works a bit of an anomaly, Josh, that, that um, I mean, they've made a film about it and they'll write books about it, but it's, it, it, it's not the normal business. They do what we do, but they did the opposite to what I did, which was start with no capital, build almost everything. The entire business has been built with about at my business with $300 million of capital input. Okay, that's it, net, the whole thing. They've started with, you know, they've put in $12 billion or 15. I'm not sure what the number is now. But that's a, that is just a completely, I mean, completely different business. They do what we do. They're the same size as us, but they don't do it in as many places. And they, you know, they have, you know, they they're, they're much more CBD than us. Um, it, it's a totally different model. There are a few others, but generally in this industry, Josh, it, it, it's 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 very fragmented. There's lots of small players, and you know, we are the Marriott and the Hilton. And, you know, every, you know, there's lots of little small chains that will have 10 units or 20, maybe two. So the average size of companies doing this is like $5 million of revenue. Lots and lots of small people. But that, and that's not what corporations want. They want to get 
use of a network everywhere. So, um, and you know, coverage is is coverage is key uh, in in this. So, look, we work. Um, if you can comp against we work, but it's a hard one because you know, obviously, the valuation sort of irrelevant. If you're an investor, you would be looking at how much capital went in, and how much cash flow can I get out. I mean, that's what you used to do, and that's what I was brought up on. Um, you know, that's and that's a, you know that's. Uh, so, but generally, in my experience, these sort of anomalies eventually, you know, flow out. They'll they'll do fine, but um, you know, it's it's they've got a tough gig, um, you know, over the next over the next year or so because of where they are. What are the chances that some large corporation like Amazon picks them up because they want to have a worldwide opportunity for their employees to find a work spot? Do you think that's a, an opportunity or do you think that's an exit strategy? No, it's, um, you know, Amazon. Well, they come to us first because we, you know, we do a lot of business with Amazon and we've got the coverage. So I, I hope they'd knock on our door first. Um, no, I, I, it, it would not be efficient. That would be like uh, Amazon. And I, I'm going to eat my words on this probably, Josh, but that's a bit like Amazon deciding to buy the Ford Motor Company because they use a lot of trucks and cars. Um, you know, they've obviously they're buying content for the uh, for, for the streaming. But, it, you know, it's a big shout. No, you we're the sort of thing that you want to have outsourced. Will there be companies coming in in the future doing this? Yes, there will. Um, and, you know, and having peers, Josh, is, a, you know, a great thing because you can only value it's much easier to value companies when they're peers and our only peer at the moment is WeWork and that's a complete anomaly you know so you know that you're questioning you know was it valued at um, you know 47 billion it's four points you know they're going out in a SPAC at uh, 12 billion which you know again will that help our valuation you know our valuation today is uh, you know about 3.84 billion dollars you know and but we are the same size profitable and, and and growing much more quickly so you know you would have thought that if someone values them at 12 then we should be valued at more than 12 okay so either they're going to come down or we're going to go up so it's going to be an interesting one to watch once the tide goes out and the data is fully available and you can see what's going on COVID-19 caused a lot of commercial real estate to kind of evolve that flexible workspace. Um, and you guys have kind of shown that you're trying to position yourself to, to succeed in this, this new environment. Do you see repurposing of other buildings um, that aren't being used into flexible workspaces and expanding opportunities for people in uh, not only cities, but residential areas as well? We're, we're doing, we already have lots of them. We're doing a lot more. We're, we're converting retail parks. We're converting in residential residentials where you want to be. You know, the most expensive real estate in the United States won't be in Park Avenue, Manhattan or Fifth Avenue. It, it's going to be where people live, where well-off people live, where workers live. Um, and, you know, we know this historically. It's just going to become more, uh, uh, you know, more of a fact in the future. So, everything eventually will become local.
because that's where digital leads. In the end, it, it just oh, it changes the supply chain. You can see it happening. Everything comes to your door rather than you having to go and find it. You know, it's happened with retail. It's happened with you don't have to go to the cinema. You know, you've got Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and others. You know, so it, it reverses everything. And that's, you know, again, your, your outcome is, is different geography. Mm -hmm. uh, we think we've covered a lot. Is there anything else that you want to, to cover right now? Any um, links that you want to provide for investors and or uh, potential um, small businesses or corporations, anybody who wants to get in touch with you or check out IWG? Well, if, if you know, you can email me at mark.dixon at iwgplc.com. Go onto our website, iwgplc.com. Um, I think that, you know, there's some very good material out there done by Ernst & Young and Deloitte. Um, there's a lot of research now on hybrid work and how companies are changing. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you from a supplier point of view where it's very apparent but they are talking to the companies who are saying you know they're speaking the same language and it, it is moving at pace so it, you know it's um there's some there's some great stuff out there um but apart from that i really appreciate your time today josh and um you know uh, hopefully someone will get in touch with some ideas for us Absolutely. All right. With that, I want to thank my guest, Mark Dixon. He is the chief executive officer and founder of International Workplace Group, IWG. Mark, thanks for being with us at Seeking Alpha. Thank you very much indeed.